Are you ready for the end of the world? <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! Up <laughs> to be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Ord Energy Mon on your community spirit. And this is Tree Song, also on your community spirit. On your community radio station. Thank you for keeping us on the air for over 16 years. Um, you know, yes. the show. The station's been around a little bit longer than our show. Since last millennium. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> so... Winter came back for a few days, or at least, you know, 50-degree weather. Yeah, some of the hints, memories of winter. It was a little chilly. But I heard that uh, summer is coming back this weekend. Yes. And so all the things that got canceled because of the bad weather last weekend are reiterating this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Take two. It's the start of summer, take two. So let's get into some of the news here. Do we have to? Yeah, I guess. news news you know kind of wraps its head around my brain and you know its head around my brain. Yeah, that didn't make sense. <laughs> didn't quite make sense, but it's it, it's heavy for your brain, I guess you know. And it's not always fun news. We usually get the the hardest news out of the way first. So let's start with this one: Texas floods sending toxic fossil fuel runoff into public waters. Uh, if only someone had predicted it, say, all of the opponents of fracking and other fossil fuel extraction, you know. So recent flooding in Houston has sent crude oil and toxic chemicals into Texas waterways. And residents and experts say regulators are not doing enough to address the threat to public health and the environment. Photographs taken by emergency management officials show oil slicks and other evidence of toxins spreading through the Sabine River on the Texas-Louisiana border from flooding in March, and new evidence is mounting that spills from oil wells and fracking sites increase when water levels rise. Well, that makes sense. The water rises, it gets above where the drilling is happening, and all, all of the, that... Quit being logical. <laughs> this is this... Yeah. Yeah. Science. <laughs> Yet scientists and environmental groups say that the Railroad Commission of Texas, which regulates the state oil and gas industry... That's kind of weird. The Railroad Commission regulates oil and gas. Well, I could see them regulating transportation on the railway. Yeah. But the whole... Okay. That's a strange state Texas is sometimes. (laughs) So they have yet to improve safety precautions. Dr. Walter Sau, a physician and past president of the American Public Health Association, told the El Paso Times on Monday that the risks of fracking fluid and other industry byproducts mixing in with groundwater was, quote, a potential disaster. Quote, I'm sure we'll get into the groundwater and streams and creeks, Sal said, of the photographs depicting down tanks and plumes of oil. In other areas, cattle that drank the fracking fluid actually died an hour after drinking it. There are potential carcinogens that can lead to leukemia, brain cancer, and other endocrine disruptors that can affect premature births. So it is not good to drink fracked wastewater. So, is that can we give the award for the understatement of the year? Understatement of the year, yeah. It's like it is not good to drink fracked. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's trying to be a cautious scientist, wording things that are clearly demonstrable. But I mean, 
That is a bit of an understatement. It's not good to drink fracked wastewater. And one of the things that people often don't understand, because there are a lot of things that, like, if you take a teaspoon of salt, for example, and put it in hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water, you might not really taste it. But if you have some carcinogens, it just takes, like, one or two parts per million, and you're going to get cancers, you're going to get, you know, all sorts of ailments. So yeah, but if, that's a long ways away. Drinking this kills you in an hour. That's, yeah. That's... If you directly drink this, you know, it's like if you directly drink gasoline. <laughs> it's not going to be good for you. I wonder if gasoline is actually cleaner. <laughs> it's like, because I have heard of people drinking gasoline yeah. and not dying. Well, I mean, if you drank gasoline, you'd probably spit it back up, and that might be safer than <laughs> drinking some of this fracked water. I guess the residents in Texas will find out after these floods. As we shift to a, you know, a post-carbon world... Here's an interesting and oil giants would be worth more by drilling less in a low carbon world analysts say <laughs> seven major oil and gas companies could increase their collective value by roughly 100 billion dollars if they bring their future investments in oil and gas fields in line with plans to limit global warming to 2 degrees Celsius according to a new assessment. <laughs> What? Yeah, I'd be curious to read the details of this assessment. There's a little more in the story, but... Investors may be surprised. I think everybody may be surprised. <laughs> yeah. At just how much value can be created by oil and gas companies in a carbon-constrained scenario, said the report, published Wednesday by the Carbon Tracker Initiative, a think tank based in London. At current oil prices, the group estimated that the portfolio of the combined major oil and gas projects would be worth about 140 billion more if they left enough fuels in the ground to keep the world within the carbon budget of two degrees even if oil prices rebounded to hundred dollars per barrel sticking to the two degree target would produce 55 billion dollar higher valuations than a business as usual approach so it's like if there's less oil, it's more valuable? So. Yeah, I think that's part of the factor here because it's, I mean, at a certain point, if it's so expensive, nobody's going to buy it. But if it's pricey but still in a range where people can buy it, you may make more money from it. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that's one of the driving factors of this analysis. I haven't read the full analysis, right. but that would make a certain sense. Quote, you can actually create more value for your shareholders by investing as if preparing for a low-demand world, end quote, said Andrew Grant, a financial analysis with Carbon Tracker. The study comes at a time when shareholders and financial regulators are challenging energy companies to fully explain and disclose the risks they face as the world turns away from fossil fuels in order to head off a dangerous climate change. Yeah. I'm sure part of it, too, is that if, if there is going to be government action to increase the cost of these fossil fuels or to restrict their sale, then preparing for it now is going to be a lot better for your company than pretending everything's going to be fine and then suddenly you can't sell your fossil fuels and you're stuck. But wasn't there a company that prepared for, you know, found out that climate change was going to happen and prepared for it 30 years ago by completely denying it for 30 (laughs) years and made a lot of money? Yes. Hashtag Exxon New. (laughs) Yes. A lot of the other ones knew too, but we know the most about Exxon's misdeeds. 
All right, here's an interesting story. We, we are mostly avoiding the campaign-related news because you get enough of that elsewhere. But this one relates to the client. Because it's really boring, really. I mean, yeah. why would we want to talk about politicians? Yeah, a like bunch nothing. of politicians bickering with each other. It's yeah. a day ending in why. But this, this, since this one relates to fossil fuels and the climate, we're going to mention it a little bit. Even Sanders' plan to curb fossil fuel production isn't ambitious enough. This is from an article from Gris.org. About 25% of all fossil fuels extracted in the United States come from federal lands. That's a whole lot of coal, oil, and gas that presidential candidates Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are talking about when they debate ending fossil fuel production on public lands. In a new report, the Stockholm Environment Institute forecasts that the kinds of cuts in fossil fuel production the country would need to make to be consistent with a 2 degrees Celsius warming uh, scenario. Now, the, the full article has a chart. Um, we can't beam the chart to you through the radio waves, but it shows that basically, you know, doing... Well, I could give our email out. Yeah, you can give the email. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yeah. And you can see the full chart and find it on grist.org. We'll email you the link. But basically, even if you stopped all of the fossil fuel extraction on public lands... That alone would still not be enough to get us even really close to the two degree uh, Celsius scenario. But I mean, the 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 problem is is nobody's actually really proposing this dream scenario. Yeah. Sanders proposed keep it in the ground act to ban fossil fuel development on public lands. Only ends new federal leases. The blue chunk. Well, in the chart above. In the chart, yeah. <laughs> Just like it says nothing about the land already leased and under production. Even with the Obama administration's clean power plan in place, fossil fuel production is expected to rise by 11% by 2040. I like how they just throw out random dates and numbers. Couldn't they just be consistent with, like, one certain date? Yeah, nobody can so- decide. Sometimes <laughs> they do 2040, 2050, 2100. It's like, it's like, so. But so. scientists have found the key to motivating people to act on climate change. Yeah. Hitting them over the head. Wait, no, that's not. <laughs> no, that's that's the non-scientific way to get them to act on climate change. Motivating people to act on climate change is a constant struggle for governments and nonprofits. But a new study may have found out how best to frame the issue to inspire people not just to act, but also to give. In a study published in Climate Change on Wednesday, Researchers found people may donate up to 50% more money to a cause when encouraged to think about the problem in collective terms instead of appealing to personal responsibility. <laughs> it's like you're not responsible. Yeah, you're not responsible. We're responsible. Yeah. In other words, climate action campaigns like the one Canada and the European Union have launched may do better when they call for us to act instead of asking for you to act. Okay, that makes sense. We like doing things together. Yeah, teamwork. Quote, we're operating on a lot of baked-in assumptions on how to motivate people. Lead author Nick Oberweich, a doctoral candidate in the Department of Political Science at the University of California, San Diego. To explore message efficiency, Oberweich and fellow political science PhD student uh, Scott Goither, Gonther. Yeah, we gave you the article with the interesting names. <laughs> <laughs> I never can do good names. Um, surveyed 
members of the National Audubon Society, a wildlife conservation organization focused on birds, as well as members of the public via Amazon's Mechanical Turk, an online microjobs venue. <laughs> Participants were randomly assigned to do one of three tasks for a one in a hundred chance of winning a hundred dollars. Some people were asked to write a paragraph on how they personally cause climate change. (laughs) (laughs) How do you personally cause climate change? I I don't even want to write that one. (laughs) Yeah. Others were asked to write about how climate change is collectively caused. And the control subjects wrote about daily routines like brushing your teeth and didn't mention climate change. After writing, participants were asked how much of the $100 they would be willing to donate to Audubon's climate change efforts. So you like win the $100 and then how much would you donate? Yeah. Among the 1,215 Audubon members, researchers found that those writing about collective causes of climate change were willing to donate a whopping 7% more (laughs) of their potential relative to the control group or about $5. Among 304 members of the public, the trend was similar for those writing about collective causes, though donations were 50% higher. So. Yeah, which was $7 more in their case. So it sounds like the people who weren't planning on donating much, when they started thinking about it collectively, they're like, okay, I'll give, I'll give so $7 more. So not speaking to the choir. Yeah. Saying, you know, we should do something about this. Yeah. Speaking to the choir, it only went up 7% more. To the general public, it went up 50% more. There you go. So I guess it is, I guess people do have more, it may make them feel less alone if you're talking about collective action, collective responsibility. Because if you single people out for their harm that they're doing, they might be guilty about it and get defensive. Yeah, nobody wants to say that you are, you know, I am responsible. You immediately get defensive and you don't (laughs) listen, right? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some interesting positive energy news here. Now, this is one I know we have mentioned in some form in the past, but there has been news with it. The train goes up, the train goes down. A simple new way to store energy. The energy world is full of complicated technologies and regulations, usually expressed in a thicket of off-putting acronyms. It's enough to make your brain hurt. So today, let's take a look at something simple. It's a new technology for storing energy, an important part of enabling more wind and solar power on the grid. It's from a company called uh, Ares Advanced Rail Energy Storage. Here's how it works. It's two steps. Step one, the train carries big rocks uphill, consuming electricity. Step two, the train carries big rocks downhill, generating electricity. Yep, that's it. (laughs) The energy stored by going uphill is released by going downhill. And not possible. (laughs) I mean, this this system can't be more than 50% efficient. Oh, this, I don't see it in this article. Another article I read said that it was, they had gotten to 80% efficiency. That's amazing because a car is only like 18% efficient. Yeah. And so, I mean, I could see, though, if they had two hills, like, you know, a hill and then the momentum of going down that hill makes you go up another hill. Yeah. So, like, you know, like you're, you're rocking back and forth. So you only have to use the energy to go up the hill once. But then from then on, this one goes down the hill and the momentum of going down the hill gets you most of the way up the other hill. <laughs> yeah. And then you just keep going back and forth. But each time you do it, you would lose momentum because you're arresting the momentum by making electricity yeah i mean they actually do that in hybrid cars you know you take off from this light and then you if you hit your brakes at the next light you will 
recoup that energy of your momentum. Yeah, the regenerative braking. But yeah, I mean they. they yeah, so that's that's part of what is interesting to me about this is it's the basic idea is very simple, but some of the engineering behind it has to be very sophisticated. Because, you know, anybody could probably do a system that gets, you know, a few percentage points of efficiency. But if you want to scale it up to grid level utility, then you've got to be sure it's really efficient. Well, maybe you should email them the idea of the two hills in case they're not doing that already. (laughs) I mean, um, earlier this month, they got approval from the Bureau of Land Management for its first commercial scale project. Yeah. The project would consist... In a 5.5-mile track traveling up an 8-degree slope covering 106 acres of public land near um, in Nevada, you would boast – well, you, you can't say what it will do because until they actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> but they expect to start early next year and finish by 2019. Yeah. I'm just – I'm very skeptical how it's possible to recoup as much energy as you outlay. Yeah. Or more. That's like the perpetual motion machine. <laughs> I mean, what do you call it? If you have a pendulum and you get that pendulum, pendulum going, as long as there's no resistance on it, it can go for a long time. Yeah. But as soon as you put resistance on it, it starts slowing down. Yeah. So... So yeah, we'll be curious. I want to follow this, but yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> but yeah. obviously, someone believes that they're allowing them to have 106 acres of public land yeah. to test it. And they, you could try to find the article about the test tract because they did do a test tract in Tehachapi, California region. So they did at least do a small scale version of it, and it'd be, I'd be curious to see if the results they got from that test were actually 80% efficiency or if they're just saying, well, we got 50% this time, but we think we can get 80. Now, now if they put a big solar array and use that electricity to run it up the hill and so it takes less energy to flow up the hill than it takes to recoup it coming down Mm. and it's completely free energy to push it up the hill, you know, um, I'm gonna. It's interesting. Yeah, I bet we'll report on this again when there's more news. Like, probably, definitely once the new tract is already created, but that's gonna be 2019. So, <laughs> who knows where the world will be in 2019? This it, is absolutely hilarious. Today happens to be Beverage Day, and today is the Carbon Ale Brewfest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you knew about this, but all of downtown they're gonna rope it off, and you get to taste a lot of different drinks. Um, Carbondale. Well, it's it's spelled Carbondale, yeah. but then they emphasize the ale part on yeah. it. Yeah, it's going to put the ale in Carbondale. <laughs> and CarbondaleBrewFest.com, and that is tonight, 6 to 9 p.m. Yes, in honor of Beverage Day and in honor of the breweries around here. It's going to be a really fun and exciting event, I'm sure. It's also National Tourist Appreciation Day, so I'm sure a few people are going to come to town for this. Yeah. You know, so it'll improve Carbondale tourism for sure. Also, National Nurses Day. Uh, nurses do a lot of hard work. Um, I was reminded of that during uh, the birth process recently. So shout out to all the nurses out there for all the good work they do. Well, Saturday is Birth Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Birth Mother's Day on Saturday. Yeah. That's Saturday before Mother's Day. Today is no diet day. <laughs> for me, that's every day, but whatever. So, yeah. Uh, Sunday is Mother's Day. So. 
Wish well to all of the mothers you know, whether it's your own mother or someone else who is a mother of another child. So Sunday is No Socks Day, and then Monday is Lost Sock Memorial Day. <laughs> Those probably go together. <laughs> and then Tuesday is Clean Up Your Room Day. I think they all go together. Yeah, and then Wednesday is probably I Found That Missing Sock Day. But... Uh, Wednesday is Eat What You Want, but not what you found in your room. <laughs> yeah. Just... Oh, and Wednesday is also Twilight Zone Day. Thursday is Fatigue Syndrome Day. So Yeah, and International Nurses Day. So this whole, this whole coming week is a celebration of nurses. So there you go. So I don't know. Are there anything happening in Carbondale in Southern Illinois? Do you think crickets chirping or are there things going on? Well, today and tomorrow is the household chemical collection. So if you have chemicals sitting around, um, there's a long list of items accepted you know, paint and motor oil and solvents and antifreeze, not accepted, explosives, firearms, tires, ammunition, basically dangerous things. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I mean, household hazardous waste is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but explosive things. Yeah, this is a different level of danger. If you've got some TNT you're trying to get rid of, this is not the place to do it. So if you have fluorescent bulbs, which you should know cannot oh, yeah. be thrown out, I need to be mindful of that. I've got fluorescent bulbs I need to find a place for. So well, that is the place. Yep. So t- last year there was such a long line that they've s- expanded this to two days. So it's today, 2 to 5 p.m., and tomorrow, 8 till 2 p.m., in the south parking lot of the SIU Arena. Household chemical collection must show valid ID as this event is, o- is open to Jackson and Perry County residents. Yeah. So. Um, so your relatives from an hour away can't come in and do it. It's got it's it's a jack you know for those counties. It's a program for those counties. So you've got to demonstrate that you're from those counties. If you want more information, recyclejacksoncounty.org, or just show up and get rid of your hazardous waste. Yes, hazardous waste, <laughs> household chemical waste. Household chemical waste. There's a little waste. difference. <laughs> yeah, it's household. That's personal level. That is a good thing to emphasize too. Also coming up, and it's actually starting as we speak, it's the Give and Go. It's running from May 5th through May 15th. As the semester wraps up, it's time to think about closing down uh, everything you've got going here in Carbondale, if you're a student in particular. As part of a collaboration between SIU Housing, the Carbondale Community Organizations, the Sense Environmental Group on campus, and the Gaia House, and the Sustainability Office, (laughs) it's a lot of people there, SIU will again be offering a process to donate gently used items at Move Out for spring 2016. The donation stations will be set up between May 5th and May 15th inside residence areas within housing. That's West Campus, East Campus, Swallen Grand, and University Hall. And also at Guy House Interfaith Center for donations from students who live on campus, or off campus, excuse me. And at these locations, students can drop off donations such as non-perishable food items, clothing, including shoes, small appliances, fans, and bedding. If a designated donation space needs attention during this time period... Yes, it's overloaded. (laughs) Yes, if we get a ton of donations and it's overflowing, please contact the True Blood office at 618-453-3318. So for more info, you can also call 618-453-2846 or email sustainability at siu.edu. And the donations are supporting a bunch of local groups... Uh, so the, the Wesley Foundation Food Bank, the Carbondale Thrift Shop, Center for International Education Loan Closet, 
Rotary Club of Carbondale, and more. So basically collecting it and passing it on to people who need it. Yeah, and this is so much better than what sometimes used to happen, you know. Well, Some, still happens. Yeah, still happens. You know, people just will dump it in the dumpster or abandon it on a curb or something. Yeah. And it's often perfectly usable food and clothing and, you know, all that. So if you don't want the hassle of hauling your stuff away when you skedaddle out of town, help those who are staying behind. Yes, that is give and go. Cinco de Mayo, Southern Illinois tradition, celebrates one year in new home by giving to those in need. That's tonight, Friday, May 6th at 9 p.m. at the Social House. Salsa Dance Night, a Southern Illinois nightlife tradition now celebrating 18 years of dancing fun, celebrates their coming of age at Social House, their new home for the past year. The dancing crew has been having Friday night salsa dancing at this alternative bar adding to the various venues that they have called home since the group started in 1998. Quote, Social House has been great for us since we started here, said Edith Ortiz, a student at SIU who has been with Salsa Dance Night for four years. It provides a great dancing atmosphere with an amazingly diverse crowd that creates a party on the dance floor every Friday. A great part of why Salsa Dance Night has survived for as long as it has, that it changes with the changing time. Our dancing familia is a reflection of our dancers and the talent on the dance floor as it gets better and better, end quote. That's a pretty good quote. This weekend, Salsa Dance Night continues to celebrate their one year at Social House by continuing fundraising efforts for funds to send to the Ecuadorian Red Cross to support earthquake relief. This Friday, Salsa Dance Night will be having a Cinco de Mayo theme night with tamale fundraisers in which all the proceeds collected will go to the Ecuadorian Red Cross. This is the second fundraiser the group has had. Um, last week they had tacos. Um, if you would like to donate directly, I can give you the link. It's a pretty long link. Otherwise, come tonight at 9 p.m. to Social House and get tamales and dance all night. Sounds like a good time. Also coming up, we have Free Cycle, the return of Free Cycle. This is a pretty popular program, and now it's back. It's on Tuesday, May 10th through Thursday, May 12th. Uh, from 12 to 8 p.m. at the Gaia House Interfaith Center. Free cycle, where unwanted stuff finds a new home. Got your stuff you really don't want, but it's still decent? Clothes, trinkets and toys, household items, musical instruments. Move it on to someone who can use it. So this is going on at Gaia House, Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, from next week. Yeah. Next week from 12 to 8 p.m. And uh, it's sponsored by a lot of the same groups that sponsored the Give and Go as well. It's sort of two different ways to take something that you have that you'd like to pass on. But this is, this is open to everyone. You don't have to be a student for this one. And so, yeah. The Carbondale Garden Study Club invites you to their annual plant sale this Saturday, May 7th, starting at 8 a.m. at the Epiphany Lutheran Church. They will have a wide variety of beautiful plants, perennials, tomatoes and herbs, native ornamental grasses and wildflowers, and a special collection of butterfly habitat plants. Just in time for Mother's Day. I think I need to get some butterfly habitat. Maybe they got some hummingbird habitat plants. <laughs> no. Yeah, if, if they don't have them, I bet they would have some knowledge of uh, how to get them, where to get them. I got this little patch of about five foot square piece of land that doesn't get any sun and is almost always wet. So I need to figure out something that doesn't want sun and likes water. <laughs> yeah. That, 
like the you know fla- you know permanent flowers basically <laughs> yeah something other than mushrooms <laughs> yeah just like all right so coming up we also have cousin andy's coffee house uh, eric nassau coming up on friday at 8 p.m at the yellow moon cafe raised on connecticut coffee houses fine-tuned in the midwestern cornfields troubadour with a memory like a steel chap if eric has not played in your town before it's only a matter of time and he's playing tonight at 8 p.m at yellow moon the monthly Peace Visual, Saturday, May 7th at noon at the Carbondale Town Square. Global military spending has surged to an all-time high of more than $1.75 trillion. And so, the Peace Coalition will provide signs, but you're all welcome to create your own. Think what we could do with the trillion dollars. Yeah. I think um, if you even took part of that, you know. It's just, <laughs> just like, I'll take it, you know, a quarter of a trillion dollars. Yeah, I can handle that. Yeah. So there are lots of peace related projects and social justice that we could do with that. So that's uh, going on at the Town Square Pavilion at noon on Saturday. Coming up on Tuesday, continuing the conversation. It's Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. Each week, a group of community members meets on Tuesday night for continuing the conversation. Their purpose is to build an interracial community based on listening respectfully to each other's life stories. And it's a really interesting group. I've been to it sometimes, and they get together, they talk. It started with a series of videos that they watched together, but now they're continuing the conversation beyond the original videos. So 715 South Washington Street, 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday. And you can mark your calendar for May 15th for the new Humanist Forum. It's not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And we'll probably talk more about it next week. Yes. So hopefully this has been another exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit we can be reached info at your community and every once in a while we also do post stuff on our um, facebook and website um, reminder household chemical collection get rid of all your chemicals paint paint thinner pesticides insecticides fluorescent bulbs mercury today two to five Saturday, 8 to 2 p.m. at the SIU Arena. Good deal. And in the meantime, enjoy the wonderful weather out there. It really is a good spring day out there. Tomorrow also at the arena, there's a big yard sale that was supposed to be last weekend, but they rescheduled it for this weekend. Ah, the return of the yard sale. So bring a carload of chemicals, (laughs) get rid of them, and leave with a carload of um, less junk. Yeah. (laughs) More enjoyable, usable things from the yard sale. There you go. One person's treasure.